Studies involving imaging are common in medical research and may contribute to major medical advances, but a proportion of healthy participants taking part may find that the imaging throws up unexpected incidental findings, turning healthy patients into anxious individuals and having knock-on effects on the health system. An analysis article in the BMJ explores how best to act on incidental findings in research imaging. I'm Navjoit Lada, Analysis Editor, and I'm joined now by Joanna Wardlaw, Professor of Applied Neuroimaging and Honorary Consultant Neuroradiologist at the University of Edinburgh and one of the authors of the article. Hello, Joanna. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, Can you just start by telling us what um, experiences or observations prompted you to write the article? I've been responsible for a research brain imaging facility since the late 1990s. And during that time, uh, our focus has primarily been on patients with disorders, but we have also scanned many healthy volunteers who are participating in studies of things like how the brain works, um, understanding brain function, understanding brain structure, understanding disease. And these inevitably are going to throw up quite a number of unexpected findings. And so over the years, we had developed ways of trying to recognize these and sort them into the ones that mattered and the ones that didn't. And then around the country and in other countries as well, imaging has become a widely used research tool. And other groups in the UK, particularly academic radiologists and neurologists doing imaging studies and psychiatrists, etc., were also having similar problems. So, so it's a general problem and really the time has come to try and do something um, more structured about it. So we got together and we had a big discussion several years ago about what do we do about this because it was something that was creeping along and people really weren't as aware of it. And so uh, we felt that getting it out in the open was important. If somebody's going to participate in a study, it's important that they understand what the benefits might be but also what the downside might be. Uh, it's important that the researchers understand what the study might entail and that while they're interested in getting the images that they want for the research, they may inadvertently throw up things which require some additional thought. Can you talk us a little bit through what happens when an incidental finding is detected? I mean, I know that the scenario will vary, you know, the the setting that the imaging takes place and the significance of the the finding. But what, what is a kind of typical pathway um, once a finding is detected? Um, I think one of the problems is that there isn't necessarily a typical pathway and each imaging facility has to develop what is suitable for them within a common framework. So, for example, in our facility, which is embedded in a hospital and has radiologists as part of the research team, um, we examine all of the images that are generated in research studies. So if we do see something, we then are, because we're medical, we know whether this is likely to be something that needs to be brought to the subject's attention, then as appropriate or not, put them in touch with the relevant clinical service to discuss whether anything else needs to be done. I think we're quite fortunate that we have um, several levels of different medical specialties involved in our research imaging activities. 
Um, I think it's much more difficult in centres where that isn't necessarily the case. Um, and those centres are evolving ways of dealing with it. So, for example, they might have contact with interested teams in a local hospital who can look at scans that they're worried about, those sorts of things. Different different methods are evolving in different places. Okay, so even in a facility like yours where um, you have access, you know, you're, you're reviewing the images, you have access to clinical teams and to um, the participants, um, there are obviously practical implications, impact on patients and indeed costs involved. As with many things in medicine, um, you know what you know, you don't know what you don't know. And some of the findings might represent a very early stage of disease, but actually we know so little about the natural history that it's not necessarily clear whether you should watch and wait or you should just say, go away, don't come back, it's never going to bother you, or actually, no, we should do something now because this is just going to get worse. Um, it's a general problem in medicine. I don't think it's just a problem necessarily for imaging studies, but the more sophisticated tests you have, the more likely you are to pick things up at earlier stages. Um, we may now be picking up, in general, some things which, if left alone, would just go away, part of their natural history. Um, obviously, one doesn't want to go interfering with things without good evidence to do so. So what would be very helpful now is to have long-term follow-up, long-term information on what happens um, to some of these findings that are of a borderline uh, significance. And I should say that this is a problem which is turning up more and more in patients who are attending hospitals for investigations for a specific disease where the imaging might include um, the rest of the chest or the rest of the abdomen. And that's turning up unexpected findings in the context of investigating something that you already know about. So it's not just a problem restricted to research, but in research it has particular um, issues because it was a finding that wasn't expected and that's not why you were having the scan, if you see what I mean. Yeah, we were just talking about that actually. Is there a difference in kind of incidental findings that crop up in a test, whatever it was, that, that had some original clinical indication versus um, research a research investigation? To be honest, we don't have particularly good data on that. Now that there will be more image data coming through from things like UK Biobank, it will hopefully give much clearer information on rates. I, I think, you know, as, as you work in an imaging department, from this is from me speaking as a clinician with a clinical hat on, um, you scan lots of people who have presented with headache, you will find things which are not necessarily related to the headache. I think whenever we request investigations, whatever they are, we have to be prepared for dealing with something which shows up might be vaguely related or not to the symptom of in question, what do you do about it? Um, it? You know, you can find all sorts of things which then you're stuck with, what do I do about the thing I've found? And if you're not very careful, you can get deflected from the original purpose of the investigation. Uh, I have seen that happen a few times. I think we need to be really careful about how we use investigations and um, not overuse them. Yeah, and there's also something about... Um whether it's research participants or patients, their expectations and whether they're informed about the possibility of these incidental findings as well. I think, yeah, you see, we, this is one of the things we've talked about quite a lot. Um, there's something, if you're a patient and you have a particular symptom and you go to hospital for investigations, then 
there is more awareness that something might show up, you're being scanned in the capacity of a patient, and so the psychology is slightly different. If you're a research volunteer and you're a otherwise normal individual who goes along, agrees to participate in a study, um, the idea that you might get in the scanner and have something that could be medically important that nobody then does anything about is not only odd to the volunteer, but I think it's also not within you know, the professional ethics of most of the disciplines involved in the scanning process. So, Joanna, do we know anything about um, participants' expectations and whether they are informed about the possibility of incidental findings and what it means to them? Well, we do talk about this a bit in our paper, um, but there are some surveys. Um, however, they're probably not as extensive as we really need. And they also tend to be asking the question from a rather theoretical perspective. So, for example, um, the Wellcome Trust and MRC did a very valuable piece of work where they asked potential research participants what they thought about having an incidental finding, what they should be, what they would like to be told during the consent processes, what they would like to happen if such a finding showed up. And this referred not just to imaging, but to things like genetic tests and blood tests and you know, cognitive tests and so on. Um, and the, what these surveys generally indicate is that people would like, obviously want to know about the possibility of something turning up at the consent point and to have some indication of what the likely frequency might be and particularly to know about what the researchers will do should such a finding turn up. It's, uh, it's, there's also an indication that people would like to know about you know, the medical implications, the insurance implications, the employment implications. So that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is that in general, people are fairly pragmatic. You know, they don't want to know about every single little detail or you know, minor thing that is of no consequence whatsoever. But, but they do, in general, want to know if there is something of, um, with medical consequences, you know, significant medical consequences. Um, so it's not universal, but in general, most people seem to indicate that that's what they would like to happen. So those are the sort of points that have come up so far. What we don't have is good feedback from people who've actually been through a research imaging or research other program. There are opportunities to start more systematically collecting that information, um, particularly in a case where individuals have had something that showed up and what did they think about this? What impact did it have on them? You know, you know, those are the bits that are missing. It's the consequences bits. It's what did it do to your insurance? What did it do to your, your, you know, your medical? Did did something actually get done, or was it just left alone and everything's been fine and it's now ten years down the line? And so, what are we worried about? You know, it's that kind of thing. So there are still gaps that we need yeah. to fill. The other interesting thing was, um, again, some years ago, haven't repeated this, but um, we had a group of researchers, this is researchers discussing the problem, and we asked them, okay, let's say you're a research volunteer. Um, what would you like to have happen should something you know, show up? And virtually universally, there were hardly any dissenters said, well, you know, we'd like to know about it, and we would like to be looked after by somebody who 
is knowledgeable enough in the field to give us sensible advice. Um, and we don't want to be bothered with, you know, trivia, but we don't want something that's potentially life-threatening to be ignored. Professor Wardlaw, thanks so much for talking to us today about your paper and for raising these issues. Thank you very much. We would obviously be very interested to hear from people who may have had experiences or who have opinions about these things. We're all either researchers, clinicians or research participants at some point in the spectrum and we're all going to be patients at some point in the future. So um, collectively, we should embrace these issues and see the positives in them. Great. Well, that article, um, Acting on Incidental Findings in Research Imaging, is now available on the bmj.com and we definitely would encourage um, people to continue the conversation in the rapid responses there.